When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. (laughs) (laughs) You would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered. You're going to absolutely love this list. The Hall of Famer, Raleigh Fingers, Stephen Vogt, Sean Murphy, two backstops for you, and Mike Aldretti, coach for the Oakland Athletics. But we're going to start with a man, a Hall of Famer, a Cy Young Award winner, an MVP, and truly one of the great relievers of all time. Here is Raleigh Fingers. Dreaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, before we bring Raleigh on, I do want to throw this out there. Secure your seats for our 1973 team reunion celebration on Sunday, April 16th with our 73 flash sale presented by Budweiser. From today, October 21st to December or to October 25th, tickets will be available at the 1973 regular season prices of $5.55. You can get these tickets online at athletics.com slash flash sale. That's athletics.com slash flash sale. $5.50 for tickets going back to 1973. Anniversary of winning the World Series was today. That's why we're going to have Raleigh on. I'll give him a call here in a second, but this is a great Today deal. was the final day of the World Series? It was. Uh, I have. Do, do you want Do you want to play from the game? I'll, I'll get a play for you real quick. We'll play. Uh, here, well, you know, let's just play the final call. Here's the final call of the 1973 World Series Game 7 against the Mets. They play Garrett, even though he's going against the fastballing left-hander, way around to the right, still to pull the ball. And now the fans realize, instead of this World Series being over, as it should be, but for the error, one swing of the bat could tie it up. Goes back, throws a little looper. Campanaris goes back, says, I've got it, there is it! have won their second consecutive World Series championship. The first time that's been done since the Yankees of 62 and 63. And for the first time in the last seven World Series, one league has won two in a row, and that is, of course, the American League. So there you go. This On this date today. And we're giving Raleigh a call now. So get, to, get your tickets, athletics.com slash flash sell. I got a good feeling about some things next year. I mean, when you start looking at the starting rotation, it could be interesting. Do we have, Raleigh, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Raleigh Fingers, welcome back to A's Cast Live. He's a three-time World Series champion, a seven-time All-Star, the American League MVP and Cy Young Award in 1981, World Series MVP in 74, 
four-time Rolaids Relief Man of the Year, three-time MLB Save Leader, and, of course, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, the A's Hall of Fame, and his number 34 is retired. Raleigh, it's always great to have you on the program. Thank you. It's nice to be. <laughs> uh, today on this date is when you guys finally finished the Mets in the World Series in 1973. When you think about that seven-game set, what do you think about? Well, we uh, we were kind of down three games to two coming back to Oakland. We didn't play real good ball in New York uh, uh, in that series, and we won one game and lost two. But um, we came back home, and we got some great pitching from uh, uh, Catfish and Holtzman. And um, and uh, we won the, the two the two ball games here and or in Oakland at the time. So uh, that uh, that was our second world championship. So uh, that was fun, but uh, it was uh, it was a tougher series, I think, because uh, uh, the the Mets had a real good pitching staff. They had Tom Seaver, uh, John Matlack, and Jerry Kuzman, and uh, a couple t- uh, tough left-handers and a power pitcher and. Uh, uh, we, we knew we had our hands full against those guys, but, uh, I think the one mistake I think that, uh, Yogi Berra made was, uh, pitching Tom Seaver in game six, uh, on two, on two days rest. I think he should have given him that extra day, uh, and, and held him back for a game seven. That might've been a different story. I mean, to but, think um, of, to think about doing that, like now we freak out if anyone's thinking about going on three days rest, the fact that basically no rest with your star pitcher is just unheard of. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I think, uh, I think Yogi wanted to end it in Oakland in game six and, uh, he just guessed wrong. <laughs> so, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. <laughs> You know, when you guys think back, and it's one of the great things when we get you guys together, when, when, when you look back, just talk about the mindset, you know, the coming from Kansas City to Oakland, you know, you first started tasting it in 71, you end up taking down Cincinnati in 72, but then you went back-to-back in 73. What is that mindset now that, hey, we're just not this fluke team we got one year – We've won it two years in a row. Yeah, well, we we knew we had a good ball. Yeah, we knew we had a good ball club, uh, and you know, the back then, all of us guys came up through the minor leagues together. We had a nucleus of about thirteen or fourteen guys that we played together for a lot of years in the minor leagues, and we all hit the big leagues right around the same time, sixty-eight, sixty-nine, and then we played together for two or three years, and. uh, we knew what to expect, and we had some great talent. I mean, we had some guys who were made. We had, I think, one year we had like five or six guys, maybe even seven guys on the all-star team, and uh, we just had some great talent. And uh, uh, if we would have, if Charlie Finley would have kept us together, uh, I think we could have gone on to win maybe two, maybe three more world championships because we were right in the middle of our prime uh, when we, we were 28, 29, 30 years old, and we'd already had three world championships under our belt and uh, we were playing good. We had a great pitching staff, uh, solid in the bullpen, uh, home run hitters, RBI guys that drive in RBIs. I mean, we had a good solid team and uh, Charlie just let that all get away because he didn't want to pay us. And that was a shame. You know, one of the things that we never really get into is how you got to the world series and 
the fact that you guys had a lot of legendary battles with the Baltimore Orioles, and they had their Hall of Famers, they had their great players, they had their great manager in 73, uh, you had to get through them, and that wasn't any day at the beach either. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, they're looking at two teams with two great pitching staffs. I mean, they have Palmer and uh, Mike Cuellar and Dave McNally, and I think Pat Dobson was there. Uh, so they had some great starting pitching, and their offense was always tough with uh, Brooks Robinson, Frank Robinson, Paul Blair, uh, and Boog Powell, Andy Etcheberrian. I mean, they were they were one of those kind of teams that uh, you knew they were going to be uh, in the in the pennant race towards the end of the season. And it just so happened that we had to run. We ran into those guys twice in '73. Uh, and in 74, and uh, we were lucky to take care of both of them. Well, no disrespect to the Mets, but they weren't even close as good as the Baltimore Orioles were. <laughs> no, but they had a pitching staff. That's, yeah. Pitching is what it's a short series. Uh, anything can happen. I mean, anything can happen in the short. I mean, that's proof right now with the uh, San Diego Padres. I mean, uh, you know, they have one of the worst records, and they go into – into New York and beat the Mets and uh, and then they play the Dodgers and they beat the Dodgers and you know they got a good pitching staff they got a great bullpen I mean that's what it is today is bullpen uh, most teams want to have that lead by the fifth inning if they have that lead by the fifth inning they figure they're going to win with the bullpen because nowadays you've got you got six or seven guys down in the bullpen on every on every team that are throwing the ball 95 96 97 miles an hour uh, you know, back when I was playing, you're lucky if you had one guy like that. So the bullpens have really changed in the past, but the pitching is where it's at. You have a good pitching staff. Whoever goes into the series with the better, better pitching staff, the one that's more healthy, that's the team that's going to win. Well, Ray Fossey would always tell us in the 74 World Series, the bullpen was you. You had starters and you. <laughs> Yeah, I was the only guy, I think, that came in out of yeah. the pen that year. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, it was just the starters and you. That's all you guys needed. I think we only used four four or five pitchers in the whole series. So, you know, it's, it's a little different. Now, you use four or five pitchers in the whole game, in one game right now. It's a little different. I know. It, so. it, it, I mean, it, it's, it, it's actually tough to watch. And I know everybody just calls this old school, but to watch – the starting pitcher go four innings, five innings, and then you have a, a law firm of relievers who have to come in. Uh, that, 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 that's just tough sledding. But, you know, thinking about 73, you know, when I looked at the Mets, you know, when we went back during COVID and we started airing some of these games, uh, what was it like when you're preparing for a 42-year-old Willie Mays? <laughs> Well, I grew up. I grew up idolizing Willie. In fact, uh, uh, when I was a kid, he was my first autograph I got when I was a kid. Really? At, at a Dodger Stadium, and I chased him down in the parking lot at uh, Chavez Ravine at Dodger Stadium when I was about fourteen, fifteen years old, and I asked him for his autograph, and he gave it to me. And then uh, thirteen years later, uh, I'm facing him in the World Series, and uh, I'm the last guy to strike him out. Uh, the last hit he got in, the, in a big league uniform and his last RBI was off of me. <laughs> it was all every, so, last hit, last RBI, last K was all you and Willie Mays. Yep. Uh, yeah. In his career. <laughs> wow. That, that, 
I told Willie, I told Willie, I said, Willie, and when I went in the Hall of Fame, I told Willie that story, and I said, Willie, it's a good thing you gave me the autograph, or I'd have drilled your ass. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, would but, you... uh, no, there's no way I'm going to hit Willie. <laughs> what is it? He didn't know that. I've actually been back to the – I was there in 99 when George Brett, Nolan Ryan, and Robin Yount went in together and Orlando Cepeda. And just to see there all you guys on the stage, it's just absolutely incredible. And I know you go down to the hotel that's right on the water. Just when you're a baseball Hall of Famer and you go back and you guys get to be around each other, you have the dinners, you have the cocktail parties, you have the ceremonies. Just what is that like to be around the other Hall of Famers when you get around each other one time a year? Uh, oh, it's, it's great. Um, when I, when I first in, went in, I, you know, I, I was more or less a rookie, you know, uh, in, in 92. And when you go into the dinner, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at these guys. I mean, I collected all their baseball cards when I was a kid. Uh, you know, you got, you got Johnny Mize and the Yogi Bear, Whitey Ford, Stan Musial, all these guys, um, uh, Bob Feller, Robin Roberts. I mean, all these guys that you collected cards at, and now you're all of a sudden you're in the room, same room with these guys having dinner. My, it's a little surreal. I mean, I sat down at my first dinner, first dinner we had, I sat at the table. It was all pitchers. It was me, Steve Carlton, uh, uh, Don Sutton, or not Don Sutton. He wasn't there. It was me, Steve Carlton, Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax, and uh, I think uh, there was one other pitcher there. I can't remember who, but that's who I had dinner with the first. And, you know, I was grew up being an uh, idol for Sandy Koufax. And, I'm, you know, I'm just sitting there in awe. And uh, I basically didn't say anything. You don't really say too much. You don't want these guys getting on you. So you, you wait a couple of years, then you, can start, then you start popping off a little bit. But <laughs> I didn't say nothing to anybody. It's just it, – and just think about that, where you are in your life, right? Your career's over. Uh, from a baseball standpoint, it's been five years. I mean, you are one of the best pitchers in the history of the game. You've got you've got everything, right? You've got World Series. You got MVP. You got Cy Young. And here you go into that dinner, and you feel like a kid again, and you feel like a rookie oh, yeah. again when you're one of the most accomplished oh. guys in the history of the game. Yeah, it, it was weird, but you know they they would get on me a little bit. You know, you see, they would say, you know what, you know, Bob Gibson said, you know, you're a relief pitcher. You know, you didn't throw that many innings. And I said, Bob, if you had me in the bullpen, you'd have 30 more wins on your resume. Yeah. <laughs> all of all of you guys would. You know, we but have... they didn't have they didn't have relief pitchers back there or like that. We have made the case on this show that you are the greatest relief pitcher of all time. When you look at your volume, the innings, the high leverage innings that you pitched, just kind of teach our younger audience, because they've grown up in this world where there's a ninth inning guy, and he only comes in, it's, you know, it's got to be with the lead, maybe tied, going to pitch one inning. You were someone that pitched a lot of innings. You came up a starter. Just kind of educate our younger listeners what the role like was for you back in the day coming out of the bullpen. 
Uh, well, it, it all depends on the way the game was going, but usually by the fifth inning, I would start watching what was going on. If we had a one run lead it it looked like, you know, there was a possibility that I might get in. So I might get up in the fifth or the sixth inning and just start soft tossing a little bit just to get my arm loose and not throw hard or anything. But, uh, there were games where I'd come in, uh, see the biggest thing back then is you're coming into ball games with men on base. These guys don't have to do that nowadays. They always start the inning fresh. But with the way starting pitching was back then, starting pitchers wanted complete games. So they wanted to stay in the uh, game as long as they could. And that's why, you know, catfish, I, there were games I'd come in uh, with catfish pitching, and he'd have the bases loaded and uh, nobody out. He'd want to stay in. And you'd have to fight him to get him off the mound. So, uh, you know, back then you were always coming into games in trouble in the sixth inning. Hope you get and hope you get a pop up and a double play, get out of the inning and then finish the game. I mean, I don't know how many four inning saves I had. I have no clue. I know one time I went I went seven innings, seven or eight innings in a game uh, and uh, didn't get the win. <laughs> we didn't score any runs in seven innings. So uh, it was that was the way it was back then. You had to be ready to come in when you were a closer. You, uh, there's nobody warming up in the bullpen. When I came in, there was nobody warming up in the bullpen. I was in there uh, for the whole game. It was either the Casser or the outhouse, one of the two. It was going to be. So uh, you were out there the whole game. Reggie Jackson said when, when, when you came in, it was grab your hat, grab your coat. It was time to go home. Uh, one of the great <laughs> lines that Mr. October has said on this program. You know, when you think about the Oakland Athletics and the way – they celebrate your guys, and you think about Dave Cavill, our president, and you think about everybody when we bring you guys together. I'm always the one that, you know, does the dog and pony show with the questions with the fans and you guys, and it's just always so special to me. What does it mean to you and to your group of guys that the A's want to continue to celebrate you guys and your greatness? Oh, I, I, I love Dave. Uh Fisher, they're you know they're great baseball fans, and they they realize the history of the A's, and uh, they love having us older generation guys uh, coming back, and we get together uh, just about every year, and we we induct two or three guys from the past into the Oakland A's Hall of Fame, and they're all for it. It's great that they uh, they appreciate the alumni, the guys that played back 30, 40 years ago, and uh, knew how great we were back then. So. Uh, they're they're not only owners but and presidents, but they're fans. And so they enjoy seeing us and inviting us back every year. I think it's great. Well, and, and just also the joy that the fans have with you guys sharing that moment together. It just seems so special, the relationship that these fans have with the great teams and then you getting together with really like your brothers. You only get to see these guys so much. So when you guys get together, it's so special. The whole thing's just beautiful. You know, what's so great about it is, like I said before, we all came up through the minor league. And we all, it's not like today where you're, you you sign a three-year contract, you become a free agent, bang, you go off to another team. We played together from 1968 to 1976 together. We had basically the same lineup every year and uh, we would we would bring different guys in when a guy got hurt or something uh, uh you know we added billy north to our lineup we had we had matty alou one year we had mike epstein 
but, you know, we always had Rudy in left and Campy at short, Sal Bando at uh, third, and Dick Green at first, uh, Dave Duncan or Ray Fossey, Gene Tennis catching. I mean, we always basically had the same lineup, and that's, that was what was great about that team. We were a family, and, uh, you know, we had our fights, but, you know, you have, you have fights in any family, <laughs> any family uh, situation. So, uh, but we got over it. You'd be, you'd be fighting with some guy that, that day and be out having dinner with him that night. That's just the way that, that ball club was. It was fun to play on. Yeah, you guys were brothers, no doubt, no doubt about it. And then just how much fun is it with the fans when they get to ask you questions and they they hung on every moment with you guys and they remember every moment of 73 or 72 or 74? Oh, oh yeah. Well, there's a lot of guys that come up to me who were, uh, you know, they're about 55 right now. And, now, you know, that I go back. Well, that means you were probably about 10 or 11 or 15 uh, when we were winning in uh, 72, 3, and 4. And when you grow up with a team, uh, and their win, and you you get to know those players. You're never going to forget them. You're never going to forget their numbers. You could, I guarantee you, ask an old guy who's a big baseball fan in '72. He could tell you the player and what number they wore in their back. Uh, I was the same way when I was a kid. I was a big Dodger fan, and I could name all the ball players and their and their numbers probably right now, even from back in the '60s. When you grow up with a team, and uh, that team is winning. Uh, and they stay together, you remember them. You remember them uh, uh, your whole life. Uh, my favorite thing is, you t- you know, looking at Willie Mays, yeah, you better sign that autograph or you would have wore one right in your ribs. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would have hit Willie, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's just end on this. Uh, I know it was years ago, but your guys' greatness and, and, you know, what you went went on to do in, in San Diego and then, of course, in Milwaukee was just incredible. But, you know, your time in Oakland, how much do you ever sit around and still think about the greatness that was the A's and your greatness as an Oakland athletic? Oh, it was fun. Uh, you know, you, you always look back and uh, uh, especially if you, you know, you win or you get a ring. That's what everybody wants is that World Series ring. And we had the opportunity to get three of them in a row, which doesn't happen very often. But I mean, we had uh, we had fun together. I, you know, going to the ballpark. Uh, 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 you know, we'd have uh, Ra- some of the Raider players were fans of ours. I was fans of the Raiders. I during football season, I would I would drive down to the ballpark on Sunday during football season. I mean, I wasn't playing, and I I just drive into the ballpark because all the parking attendants knew who I was. And I'd just say, hey. I'm going to go down. I'm going to do some working out in the gym and stuff. They let me in. I just walk right out on the field and uh, be on the sidelines for the Raider games on Sunday. I didn't even have to buy a ticket. It was great. Nah. <laughs> but uh, the whole, all of Oakland loved the Raiders and the Oakland A's back in the early 70s. I mean, golly, uh, uh, I loved going to the Raider games. They were fun, too. Well, it is always an honor to have you on the program, and I can't wait this year to celebrate the 73 team Truly one of the great teams and one of the great runs in the history of baseball. You be well throughout the holidays, and then we'll see you next year when we do this celebration. Okay, certainly will. Thank you. I enjoyed being on your show, man. It, uh, it was, it was, you're bringing back memories for me, I'll tell you. It was fun. You're the best, Raleigh. You take care. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Well, nobody is ever going to forget the ending of Stephen Boat's career. 
and we were lucky enough to catch up with Stephen right before the magical moment. Now joining us as a very another special moment in what is turning out to be a uh, weekend I don't think he ever dreamed of. I mean, seriously. I mean, this weekend's become all – I mean, not a weekend, but this last three games have become all about you. What 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 has that been like? Um, it's been humbling, honoring, um, emotional. Yeah. Uh, I'm I, – I couldn't be – more thankful uh this isn't i never dreamed of this or asked for this or uh but to have you know the organization my teammates uh coaches staff everyone you guys media uh just to to be recognizing me this way is um something i could never have asked for or dreamed of and it's uh it's been incredible you know it really says a lot about you that all this is happening, and it's because how you've treated people and how you've acted as a professional and how, how you've just been a great teammate, a good person to the organization and everywhere you played. And, and this moment, you know, I think about down in Anaheim where your wife surprised you with a bunch of your uh, college buddies. That had to be like – I mean, you can't prepare for that. No. No, there's been a lot of moments. Uh, Alyssa has been – She's done so much behind the scenes for these last this last week. Uh, that was just the tip of the iceberg. There's been so many things, and got surprised by some friends today. Some surprised by some friends uh, last night, and I have no idea what, what's in store for tomorrow. But um, <laughs> I just uh, I'm so thankful, Tony. Obviously, just people, the people in my life, and 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 everybody here, just the words and the actions and the thank yous and the hugs and. Um, like I said, I'm blown away. It's something I never expected and uh, just so thankful, so thankful for the people that I've been able to meet and come across in this game. You know, it's the little things that I remember. I remember years ago, it was your after your second time going to the All-Star game, I was walking down the tunnel with you towards our cars, and you're telling me about how your second time was so different because the first time you partied, you had a really good time, but the second time you really got to experience it, you know, the best times of your career, the playoff hit, winning a playoff game. I mean, obviously it's going to take nothing away from Atlanta, win a World Series, but so, so many great times. Just as a player and now with your family remembering you as an A, so many good times just here. Yeah, this is home. Uh, it always has been, always will be. We, we've loved everywhere we've played, right? I mean, that's one of the things that I've, I've learned throughout my life and career and been told by mentors is be present. Wherever you go, wherever you're doing, whoever you're with, be 100% present with them. And in that moment, and I've tried to do that in every aspect of my life and in every season of my life. But when I think about my baseball playing career in the major leagues, the first thing that pops into my head is the Oakland A's and the 13 playoff run, the 14 wild card game, the the All Star games, and you know coming back this year for this final final season and um, just enjoying being back in Oakland, being in the Coliseum, getting to kind of put a stamp on those relationships that were formed the first five seasons I was here. And uh, I couldn't have asked for, for a better finish on a personal level than to come back to Oakland and be with the people that helped mold me into who I am as a, as a baseball player and as a man. And it's just fitting that Kurt Suzuki on the <laughs> other end will have the tribute video to him yesterday as he's a lot like you. He's great people, known him for a long time. And uh, two of you kind of going out together to Oakland A's backstops going to be special and you weren't lying and this wasn't on one of our conversations when you were walking by one day you said man i love this i'm gonna ride this thing out i, I i'm up there 
doing my TV hit today. I look down, and you're working on your backhand down here. And I'm like, he is. You're get to the very. You're done tomorrow, and you're gonna work till the very last minute. Yeah, it, you know, I. It's who I am. It's the way it should be. It's being a professional. Uh, just because you know you're leaving your job in a couple of days, doesn't mean the work stops. Um, you know, today I wanted to get my first base work in in case something happens tonight, and I and I get to go in there and play. Or, and I worked on my catching. Uh, I get to catch tomorrow, and I want to make sure that I'm ready for Kent because it's his day. And that's your job. Your job is to be prepared to do whatever it is you need to do. There's no days off. There's no, there's no time to waste. And I would, I would never forgive myself if I took game 161 off. It goes against everything we talk about. You never know which pitch, which swing, which ground ball, which throw, which fly ball. You never know which win is going to click, and then it changes your career. And I've heard that my whole career from – Jimmy Hoff, field coordinator with the Tampa Bay Rays. He said, you never know which rep is going to be the one where it clicks and you then you take off from there. And that's something that, you know, as a 37, almost 38-year-old with 36 hours left in the show, less than 24 hours left in the show now, I'm never going to stop working, Tony. And even when I'm done, I'll never stop working. I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming over today with how busy you are. So we'll end on this. There's something about you and the fan base. It became organic. All of a sudden, you just don't, like, get your own chant, right? It's not like we're over in Tokyo and every player had a chant, you know, the band's out left and right field. You got your own chant. There's something about you, this organization, this fan base. It was organic. It was real. And it's special to this day, even when you came in with another team. Can you just put your finger on it? why they picked you, and why it means so much? Uh, I mean, this fan base means so much to me and my family. And uh, I've gotten to know, you know, half a dozen or a dozen of them on a personal level, and if not more. And they're so special. They're so supportive. They're loyal. Um, you know, I, I think the only thing I can put my finger on is I'm an average-looking guy that takes the field with energy, emotion, passion, and love for the game no matter if we're the best team in baseball the worst team in baseball if I'm 0 for 32 or if I'm 32 for 32 I take the field with the same energy every single day and I bring it and there's nothing on this planet I love more than playing and winning major league baseball games and I've been that way from the time I was a little kid I've dreamed of playing in the major leagues from the time I was two years old and I get to do it until almost my 38th birthday and I'm so thankful for that, and I'll never take one day for granted. I'm going to take the field tomorrow with all the energy and passion you've ever seen, and I'm probably going to walk off of it with tears in my eyes because what this game and what this place in Oakland has given me and my family, the opportunities that it provided that I was fortunate enough to take and run with, with the support of my beautiful wife, Alyssa, our kids, my dad, and my whole family and friends and support system, and most importantly, the fans. You guys gave us and gave me energy to play every single time here. And uh, I think that's why. It's green-collar baseball. I know we're not supposed to use that hashtag anymore. <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, it's something that when I, fe- when I saw green-collar, I'm like, man, that's me. I'm a punch the clock, get your work in, and take the field and be blessed and be honored to get take the field in the big leagues every single moment you get. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to end this on a high note. You're better than average looking. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank hey, you. Hey, our last as a player interview on A's Cast Live. As a player, 
But you're going to be around a long time, and uh, you've meant a lot to us. Thank you very much. It means a lot. It's not a... Uh, it's not unnoticed, and I and I greatly appreciate the way you're all treating me. Thank you. The great Stephen Vote right here on A's Cast Live. Stephen Vote stands in. This might be his final at bat in the big leagues, and makes his way toward home plate. Introduces himself to Logan Hoppy, rookie in his first month in the big leagues, and Stephen Vote just shy of 10 years of big league service. He has scored the game's only run. He walked and scored his last time up facing Otani. Left-hand batter against the right-hand pitcher. Weiss stresses, stretches and deals. And the pitch is hit to deep right. Toward the line. Near the wall. He did it. Steven Vogt did it. In the last game as an athletic, he floats around the bases with a solo home run to right. His career is now officially complete. What a magical moment for Stephen Boat as he pulls it down the right field line, and he is absolutely mobbed in front of the A's dugout. Man, the beauty of baseball, and for Stephen Boat, turns on the pitch from Zach Weiss, gets his seventh home run this year and one that he will forever remember another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ah, Stephen Boat. He will always be an A, no question. And a guy we hope is going to be an A for a long, long time. He's the A's catcher. It's Sean Murphy. Catcher Sean Murphy. So we had to bump cots <laughs> to get you in earlier t- early today because you're in the lineup. Uh, it is great to finally get you on once again on A's Cast Live. How have yep. you been? Good. How are you? Good. Is it is it is it me or is it just like wow? It's the last game of the year. Hard to believe. Yeah, it's always a weird feeling on the last day. Uh, you know, you don't know whether you'll pack up your locker. You don't. You don't want to leave. You don't want it to be over. But you know, I think everybody. Uh, you know, can feel good about some of the efforts and the strides that they've made this year. And for you, you've had, since you've come up, you're used to like, all right, we're battling to get in the postseason. You've been used to that. How has this been? I know it's different. How different has it been for you? Um, it's a little different as far as uh, my role uh, in the clubhouse, uh, you know, as a young guy. So, you know, I just let Chappie and Ole and those guys handle, you know, trying to be the leaders, and I was just here to play. Um, but uh, – so this year I had to take a bigger role from from that perspective. But other than that, it's the same preparation that I was doing every day, you know, the last couple of years. So nothing changed there. When did you really feel that I do need to be more of a leader and just not by example? It's got to be more vocal too. When, when did you say, "All right, this is what I have to become"? You felt it in spring training, probably with the Mania trade, when he was kind of the last guy to go. And you looked around the clubhouse, you're like, "Oh, there's not, uh, you know." As many familiar faces around here. So someone's got to do something. 
Yeah, I tell you what, I was right there when Sean Mania, we, you know, we woke up, found out about it, and Sean Mania comes walking in. I remember you were playing cards at the time. I was kind of right behind you, and, like, guys were, like, in tears. You went up and hugged them. That was a weird moment. And then after his start, I actually walked over and walked into the Padres clubhouse and interviewed Sean. In the, and I'm looking at him in Padre gear, and I'm like, this just does not look right. But, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a definite change. But, you know, it was a change that it was going to be your team, and it's your team going forward. A lot of responsibility you still had a great year, though. So what's that been like now having to say, yeah, this is my team? Uh, I mean, you know, I just I just learned from people, uh, you know, ahead of me. So, you know, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or anything. Um, and, you know, I didn't I didn't do a lot of the vocal leading. Uh, that's not really my style. I'm not a big rah-rah guy. I'm not a big uh, jump-around guy. But, uh, you know, my goal is to lead by example and, and go out there and try and play every day and, and, and grind through the season and, and just show up and be ready uh, every single day. So, uh, you know, that's where I take pride, and I want to set that example for young guys. One of the things that's so tough for, for modern-day catchers, what people don't realize, and we just talk to Ray Fossey about this all the time, but we're like, they didn't have a lot of guys throw. So you knew your guys. Yeah. I mean, they had a World Series. In a World Series, they used six pitchers. I mean, it's crazy to think. And now when we talk about 64 players used this year, all the different pitchers – What's it like with all these different guys that have been thrown out there? And you got to know these guys. You got to know what they like to throw. You got to know what makes them tick. I mean, the volume of pitchers this year, what's that been like? Uh, that's probably been the biggest challenge for me, uh, just as far as having all these different guys coming in. And uh, I don't want to let them down. Um, and, you know, when you have when you have this, you know, cast of characters, a rotating group, and, and uh, you know, I, I just feel bad because um, I want to do the best every time I can out. But – you know, I don't know guys as well, and so I'm, I'm asking them for help, and I'm asking them, you know, hey, call your game, teach me what you do, do what you do, and I'll I'll get on the same page as you. I'll try and catch up with you, because I don't want to call a game for a guy and have it not be the way he likes to pitch, and then you know, have him get hit, and then it, you know that's my fault, uh, and you know, so I feel I would feel bad, um, just trying to get you know, get used to guys, and uh, yeah, so you know. Last couple of years, we had the same kind of, same kind of staff every year. It was you know Montas, Passive, and I, and those guys. You know, I was got on the same page with those guys. Um, so it was a whole learning process, a whole learning curve. You know, when I think about technology coming into the game, Pitchcom, have you liked it this year? Is it success? And what could you do maybe to improve it? I honestly liked it. Uh, I don't think there was there was, there were too many issues with it. I think we've had one or two mishaps with the receivers not working or whatever but other than that um it takes away some of the you know the paranoia and the constant sign changing you know i feel like uh in the past years we were changing signs every couple pitches because <laughs> guys are just getting so good at, at figuring them out so you know every three pitches we'd have to change them uh. and uh you know that was taking time and you know sometimes it would cause a cross up so i think it's easier i like it more it's almost like you came up in the Cold War era where everybody's stealing, like it's like, like everybody's a spy. It's, yeah, it's what un- it felt like. It's unbelievable. And then next year, I mean, we've seen a couple pitchers in this series where they're like, we're timing them. They're like, thir- and they're they're angels. Uh, they're like 34, 36 seconds. What do you think of the pitch clock? Um, I'm a fan. Uh, I don't think it'll it'll hurt anybody too much. Uh, <coughs> Guys will just get used to it. Um, 
I don't think it's that aggressive of a time, but uh, some guys do like to take their time with it. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. Uh, it, it'll be it. It'll be when you got guys with runners on base and they're used to huffing and puffing and walking around and rubbing the ball down and then getting on yeah. the mound. And, no, 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 no. You got twenty seconds. Let's go. Yeah, uh, I'm all for quicker games. Uh, As a catcher, right? Absolutely. You don't want to be out there for three hours and forty nine minutes. No, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, I'm all for quicker games. You know, count me in. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, for you in the off season. Uh, you got a house in Nashville now, right? I do. Yep. How's that transition going to be? Uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, I haven't really been in it. I went. I uh, went there for the All Star break just to check it out for the yeah. first time, and uh, yeah, I've only seen it for like an hour. So we'll see what kind of projects I have when I get back to the house. A lot of, a lot of unpacking boxes, all that stuff. I'm just going to let you know now. Spring training first questions are going to be all right. Let's break because I'm going to be going there next year. Okay. Barbecue. You got to do the scouting report because the barbecue, I know country music. If you love country music, it's the Mecca, and there's entertainment going on every single night. But the barbecue is one of the best in the country. You got to scout them out. All right, I'll let you know. That, yeah. That's going to be the big project in the offseason. Yeah, I'll write some scouting reports for you. So today, really emotional. And last night, even because, you know, Kurt Suzuki's one of the great Oakland athletics. I mean, yes. we're talking about superior people it's more yes. than just accomplishments right it's Absolutely. it's who they are in people and i know we said goodbye to zook last night but we will again today covered his entire career same thing with steven vote um just for you as someone who's got to know steven what's this day going to be like for you uh it'll be emotional for me too um you know steven sort of ushered me into my career my first spring training he was there and you know he was the guy i looked up to i followed him around um and he, you know, he took me under his wing when he didn't have to, and he made time for me when he didn't have to. Um, and it speaks to who he is as a person. He's, he's just a tremendous person. Um, I can't say enough good words about Stephen. He's a genuine person. He cares. Uh, he's sincere with everything he does and everything he says. And um, yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough day for everybody. You know, I think about you know we always talk about the quarterback room in the NFL, how the quarterbacks help each other so much. I, I see that with the catchers, too. How important is, no matter, you know, who it is, younger guys, older guys, guy like yourself in your prime, happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Um, just how important is it that you guys help each other, rely on each other, and support each other? Yeah, I mean, there's always, like, a, there's always, a you know, a cross-contamination of information. Uh, Steven knows stuff I don't, and I know stuff he may not know about guys, and we just have to constantly share information to give our pitchers the best chance of winning. Uh, you know, Stephen played in the AL East last year, and we would face the AL East teams, and he would have some stuff. You know, he goes, I remember we did this, or this guy likes this. And, you know, we can go over all the reports we want on the computer, but when there's uh, someone with firsthand knowledge and, and, and you know, has been in, in the game with these guys, uh, it helps. And, uh, you know, Shea's done a really good job. He's come up. He's been a sponge. Um, you know, he's learned from Voter. He's, he's, he's doing everything he needs to do. And, uh, you know, that catcher's room, it kind of is a, it is a little family. Let's end on this because we, we know you got to get ready for this game today. I can't tell you how many times we're sitting here, whether it's up here in the press box or we're watching you guys on the road and the shots that you take behind the dish, the shots you take at the plate, bigger body, I don't know, I guess that's why you get hit. Maybe. Just, just uh, where's your body now, and then what do you do to, to, to heal up because you really have taken a beating this year. 
Um, you know, the body's pretty good. Uh, we're just talking about bruises. Uh, you know, bruises hurt for a little bit, but they, they, they don't matter too much as far, you know, the, the important stuff, you know, the muscles and the bones, they're all good. Uh, so I, I feel good. Uh, like I said, the, the dings and the, and the foul tips, they hurt for a second and then I get mad, but they don't matter. So good. So how long will it take before you kind of start getting back into baseball activity? Um, probably take a couple weeks fully off, uh, Around October, I'll start working out. Or not October, uh, Halloween, I'll start working out. Uh, Baseball-wise, I don't know, middle of November. I don't know yet. I haven't decided. I kind of feel it out. Sometimes I get bored really, really fast, and then I just start jumping right back into it. You know, other times i got to motivate myself a little bit more. Well, it's always great to have you on the program. Thank you. And congratulations on an outstanding season. Uh, be well this off season. Can't wait to see you in spring training. Thank Enjoy you so the new house. I will. And get us the scouting report on the barbecue. Sounds good. That's your catcher, Big Murph, right here on A's Cast Live. Big Murph with the big bat, hopefully being in the lineup next year for the Athletics. And Mike Aldretti, longtime big leaguer and, of course, a longtime coach for the Oakland Athletics, stopped by A's Cast Live on the field. Aldo is the best. Mike Aldretti is uh, coming over here. This will end the longest drought in the National League. They haven't been in since 2011. Yeah. And they have not played well. They have they have they have found almost every single way to uh, have blown it. But that's the thing. So many teams, as Mike's sitting down with us, so many teams have they're basically backdooring into this thing. And uh, it's, that's why the postseason is going to be fabulous because all these stats and everything that we got, uh, it's not going to matter once we get into this tournament. Well, it's great to have you back on the program. How are you? I'm doing great. How's everything? Uh, it's good. Weather's great. Three days left. How you feeling? I actually feel really good. I feel like uh, we had, despite the what the record says, we accomplished some things this year. I think that uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a real good look at a lot of these young kids, and uh, hopefully, they're our future. Well, the one thing you know, we we have the Marcotte show every single week. We have the David Four show, and the one thing I've really tried to highlight here because. You know, we get to be here when the fans aren't here. We get here really early up in the press box. We're always watching how hard you guys have worked with these players. I think you guys as a staff should be commended for your effort this year because it's been amazing. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, sometimes it does go unnoticed. And, and a lot a lot of times it's not just like this. Um, you know, there obviously we've had teams here in the past, and I've coached other teams where, you know, you've got – your share of veterans that you just kind of move them along and be there when they need to when they need to get their work in, um, but for whatever reason this year there's a lot more teaching. There's a lot of guys. It, it it's not easy to be in the big leagues, and there's a lot of kids that come up and don't know what it's like. So uh, I think from a coaching standpoint, that's uh, that's something that we have taken upon ourselves to 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 help these guys, teach them how to work teach them the game, teach them how they're supposed to act and react. And um, it's fulfilling, uh, but at the same time, too, we do we do kind of like winning. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, we've all been around the A's for, for a long time now. And I remember, uh, you know, we used to have the Bob Melvin show. And Bob Melvin talked, I think it was after 2014, we were talking going into the 15th season, where Bob talked about, you know, there are times where it's great to get back to being a coach and a teacher and teaching guys the game because that's really at heart what you guys are and that's 
kind of what I want to do. I mean, uh, you know, not that there have been other opportunities. Um, you know, I've been a bench coach for a long time uh, in St. Louis and here. Um, but I really get I really get my fulfillment out of coaching. And I feel like, you know, some guys are just coaches at heart. Uh, that's kind of who I am. Uh, I like I like the work. I like to see the progress. And it's it. It's really gratifying when, you know, some of the hard work that you've put into it, uh, it shows not maybe not, you know, today, but down the road sometime. How much do you think these young guys have learned and how this will help them going in next year to spring training? Well, I know that um, going way back to my rookie year, um, I got a little taste of the big leagues and um, everything. I was wide-eyed, deer in the headlights, uh, trying every, trying to learn as much as I could. Everything was moving faster. Uh, I didn't feel like I could do the things that I normally think that I'm capable of doing. Um, but it was a really, really good experience that, that first uh, half of a season for me. And I know that I showed up in spring training the next year with a completely different feeling about myself, completely different feeling about being in the big leagues. And I think what, hap- what has to happen with all of these guys uh, is that at some point you have to turn this game into the same game that you've played ever since you were 10 years old. Now, it's much easier said than done. But once you get to that point where you show up to the ballpark and you say, it's a game that I've been playing forever and I'm going to continue to do it uh, the way I've always done it. Uh, like I said, it's easier to say than do because, you know what, it's kind of a big deal to be, to be in the big leagues. Yeah. And, and when, you, when you make it a big deal, you know, that's when you kind of tense up and that's when things start going too fast and that's when you make mistakes. And uh, so part of what we want to do from a coaching standpoint is, you know, bring these guys to some type of ease where they can they can go into the mode of this is the same game the bases are the same distance the mound is the same distance I'm not going to see any pitches that I've never seen before they might happen with more frequency but there's nothing that really happens on that baseball field that uh, that these guys haven't seen before it's just that like I said you know the the good pitchers are every day they're not once every five days you know the good fielders are out there for every single play and uh, that takes some getting used to and then the whole big thing about you know the third deck that a lot of guys have not been able to you know get over that and um, you know with television and now with you know social media millions of people know when you made a fool of yourself and 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 I know that very well Uh, so that's something you got to get over too so you got to have a short memory and uh, the bottom line is get a little bit better every single day. And if you, get, if you get a little bit better every single day after 180 days of this, then you're a lot better. You know, I've been reading some sports psychology books, and in the postgame show when callers are calling up about young players, I say it's so key. Like when I think it's just getting Jordan Diaz up here, whether he's going to start in AAA next year or not, the fact that you put a guy up here for a couple weeks, you give him a little taste of it, they're all going to go work out and lift weights and hit and pitch and do everything that they're going to do for their bodies in the offseason. But it's training your brain. The fact that they got a little taste of it, that they understand it, they now truly can visualize it, see it, believe it. That helps so much for them going into next year that they've had this taste. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I know that uh, I got some of the best advice ever from a guy that, Everybody in the Bay Area knows Mike Kruko. Yeah. My rookie year, I was here 
or in San Francisco. I was in the big leagues, and I, you know, I was hitting under 200, and just about every single time I made an out, it was the end of the world. And there were times where I would like tiptoe into the uh, clubhouse, and there were actually times where I would say, Whew, I'm not playing today, so I can't make a fool of myself. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I got sent down, and Kruko grabbed me and said, let me tell you something. You're going to come back here, and I, I can't tell you when, but you'll be back in the big leagues. And he says, the next time you walk into that clubhouse, you walk into it like you own it. Because uh, I had not been to that point. I was tiptoeing in and looking around and looking over my shoulder. Uh, it was great advice. And the the minute that I felt like this is where I belong, I can do this, uh, it was just, you know, everything just started clicking. Uh, and, you know, not clicking as much as it did for a lot of other people, but for, for me, it clicked enough to where I said, you know what, I belong here. You had a good career. You definitely had a good career, and you played a while too. Well, and I see I see a lot of I see a lot of guys that uh, you know coming up. If I could try to you know give them that story, uh, and Nikki Nikki Allen is one of them who I've talked to and said, and you can you can see it you know when he walks, when he takes the field, when he takes his grounders. There's just that air of I've got this, and um, you know, thank goodness that he's he's gotten that. In his, in his time this year, and there's no question in my mind he and a number of other these young kids, they're going to show up at spring training next year and say, this ain't that big a deal. I yeah. belong here. I can do this. And uh, that's probably the biggest hurdle of all of them because physically these guys are pretty darn good, and they, they can all catch the ball, throw the ball, hit the ball, run. They, they, they all have the tools, uh, or else they wouldn't be here. It's that, it's that whole mental side of I got to get over whether I belong here or not. And uh, hopefully this experience for a lot of these kids is going uh, to be beneficial going into next year. I want to ask you about the rules for next year. Before we get to everybody's talking pitch clock and they're talking non-shift, the bigger bags, big difference, little – I have no clue. Well, I mean, bigger bags, we've been playing with the same size bags our entire life. What does this mean? Yeah, well, going back to what I said earlier that, you know, the mound is the same distance, the bases are the same distance. Well, not everything's the same. Uh, I have just as much experience with the big bag as you do. And I so hear it's I'm, like a, 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 a almost it's like, almost like a large or a medium pizza, pizza. box. Yeah. <laughs> Just open it up and one side is the base and the other side's in foul. Uh, we will find out. I will say that, um, that things that I have heard are that um, – when they very first tried this whole thing out, the um, the sound was different, so they had to get they had to make the bags, the elongated bags, make them look and sound just like the regular bases because the umpires were having a hard time with their with the sound for making their out and safe call. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I think that um, that I think that'll all play itself out, and I think that uh, at some point, you know, we're gonna look back and say, "Gosh, remember back, you know." However many years ago, when when they only had the one small bag, yeah. now now it's all the same now. Pickoffs and limiting pickoffs, I think, will be here real quick. It's just going to try and get running going, and then they'll switch it. So I don't know how long that. I'm not sold on that either. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can make a guy do that, and uh, and also limit them to their number of picks, and then have the guy over there saying, "Well, he can't pick, so I can I can just take off whenever I want." Uh, again. 
I've seen it as much as you have, which is probably not much. Uh, so a lot of these rules, you know, we're going to experience them uh, next year for the first time. We're going to talk about them in spring training, and we're going to, you know, as a staff, we're going to come up with, you know, what we think is probably our, our best plan of attack with all these things. And then uh, I like the fact that, uh, you know, our staff is really good at the, the communication side, and I think that, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be ahead of the curve when it comes to getting these guys ready for that. Everybody wants to talk about shifting and the best players in the game. How does this affect the great sluggers? I believe, and we'll have to wait till we see it go back to playing the way we used to, how it helps all the players, all the hitters, and not just the left-handed power hitters, how it helps a Nick Allen or a Chad Pinder or Tony Kemp. What do you think it's going to be like going back to playing regular in the infield? Well, I, you know, there was a time that I thought with the shift, what you're going to start seeing is you're going to start seeing guys become better hitters have the ability to use the whole field, have the ability, and that has not been the case. I think that uh, what has happened is everybody has said, you know what, I don't care. I get paid when I hit homers, and so I'm not even worried about that shift. I'm going to keep trying to hit homers. Uh, and, and the whole beginning of the better hitter has not really happened. Because even in today's game, Guys that are real good hitters that can use the whole field, they don't get shifted. And so that's why I kind of thought that uh, there would be a trend in that direction. Once again, I swung and missed on that one. Uh, but I do think that uh, it's going to help. It's going to help the guys that are kind of one-dimensional. And uh, if they're dead pull hitters, it's going to open up. It's going to open it up a little bit for them. Uh, the pitch clock, we keep hearing all this cuts the game by half hour, 35 minutes, get on the mound, throw it, and hit it. As a guy that is on well after the games doing a post-game show, I yeah. can tell you I'm all for it. I love the extra inning rule because I don't want to be here all night long. With you. But uh, to me, let's get on the mound, let's throw it, let's hit it, let's put the ball in play, and let's get some action rolling. Well, if, you, if, if we all sat down and took a look at, you know, historically, the guys who were very successful – pitchers that's exactly what they did they got the ball they kept everybody moving uh they threw the ball strikes uh the game moved the game moved their their position players are ready they're not standing on their heels saying oh god how long is this going to take uh so i think what it does is it kind of gets everybody in that mode of you know being a good pitcher get the ball know what you're doing and let's go so hopefully, uh, and I have talked to uh, Fran uh, Reardon, who has said that um, you're going to like the pitch clock. It, it, believe it or not, it does help. And there, we all see the guy out there, and I, I'm as bad as anybody, yelling at him from the dugout to, <laughs> to get the throw the ball. And that doesn't always go over real well with the managers. But uh, the bottom line is. I want to see a guy, and, and I will point out, over the years, you know, we've had guys that, that do it really, really well, and I'll try to point out to the other pitchers, you know why he's really successful? He gets the ball and he goes, and everybody's on their toes, everybody's ready, guys make good plays for him, the, the game moves fast, there's nobody falling asleep. We all might want to try that. So I think that I think the, 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 the pitch clock might be a helper. Uh, I know you got to go. We appreciate the time. Let's end on this. You've been in baseball a long time. Season ends. How do you decompress? What do you do? What do you do in the offseason? 
before you got to get it going again and get ready for spring training? Well, I can tell you that it's for me, and I'm not saying I'm the same as everybody. I need about a week where I just go home and just do nothing. And, and it's not so much a physical thing because, you know, I can go on walks. I can, you know, get in the weight room, do, do some light things. But uh, it's more the emotional and it's more the, the, the psychological. Uh, it, this game does take a toll. And uh, from a physical standpoint, you know, a lot like these players, we, we st- try to stay in pretty good physical condition. It's the, it's the mental side. It's the emotional side that just needs to take a break. Uh, but it's not very long, and my wife and my kids, and they all know that, you know, for the first, for the first three days, four <laughs> days to a week, dad's not doing much. Yeah. And, uh, and then I like to get back into it, and for me, you know, that means, that means uh, I'll play some golf. Uh, this year I've got my daughter getting married, so that's going to take some of my time. Uh, maybe take a trip or so each off season, but not much more than that. And then it's, uh, I really, really like the idea of I cannot wait to get to spring training. Uh, you know, if I ever get to the point where it's like, oh, gosh, I have to go to spring training again, then I need to, I need to take, it, take it to the house. But uh, every year so far... I've gone home and I've done my thing and start itching after the first of the year. And then, you know, towards the end of January, beginning of February, I'm chomping at the bit to get to spring training. And that's that's kind of where I want to be. Yeah, you've had a blessed career. You think about, you know, growing up here, you think about Giants, you think about A's, all the years on this staff. I mean, it, it's been a blessed career. Yeah, I, I, I have no complaints. Uh, I would probably not complain anyway if I was uh, – anywhere in the big leagues but you know very fortunate to have spent a good portion of my time in the bay area from the time i was born to college to the giants to the a's uh and it's been it's actually helped out you know with my family uh they're all they're always close and uh so again i have no complaints Always appreciate the time. Right, Tony. We'll see it. you uh we'll probably see you down in Arizona next time. Hopefully. Hopefully I'll be there. Yeah. But I'll be the one with a big smile on my face because I can't wait to get there. Great stuff. We got more. The voice, Ken Korak, will join us next right wow. here. On a, you, you can't follow this act, by the way, Ken. You better be good there, sitter. That's all coming next right here on A's Cast Live. We want to thank Raleigh Fingers, Stephen Vogt, Sean Murphy, and Mike Aldretti for stopping by A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 